Amen. There is hope in the remnant. One of the great encouragements to my heart in this hour is to know of the many that say, Preacher, I hunger for revival as you do. I want to be a part of a righteous remnant. God blesses the nation through the remnant. What a joy that it is. Open your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. And also we'll be in Psalm number 46 this morning. I'm going to preach this morning on dealing with uncertainties. We're living in an hour of uncertainty. There are many theories, ideas. There are many things that are going on in our world. And while we try or we attempt to say, here's what God's doing or here's what's happening or this is going on, the truth is of all of those things, it's just a matter of uncertainty all around us. How do we deal with with the uncertainties of our life. I believe the message will be a help and an encouragement not only to us in this hour, but at any time, at any juncture of our life. Verse 13 is the text verse where the Bible says, looking for that blessed hope. Now he's saying we're looking for the return of Christ. And when you look at those words, blessed hope, The word hope has an uncertainty in it. You say, preacher, what do you mean? I know that Christ is returning, but I'm not certain when. But it is called the blessed hope. Here's what I don't know. I don't know when he's returning. That's an uncertainty. Here's what I do know. He's coming again. It is certain that he's coming again. So in the message today, I want to encourage you to take your uncertainties of life, place them on the certainties of the Word of God, and let's deal with our uncertainties by the certainties of the Bible. The Bible says in Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldliness, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now there's a contrast there. All that we're supposed to do in this present world is opposite of the behavior of this present world. Look at it again. Teaching us that denying ungodliness, that's the present world, and worldly lust, that's the present world. We should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You say, boy, it's so difficult to do that. Things are so uncertain. How do I deal with the uncertainties of life that I face? Verse number 13 is the answer looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort or encourage you with and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you will, to the book of Psalms and Psalm number 46. 
Before I read a part of this passage, let's pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, I pause for prayer not because I'm required or it is a habit to do so, but Lord, I hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit as I preach this morning. I desire God to be pleasing to you and to take the Word of God and deliver a truth that will be encouraging to us in this uncertain hour in which we live. Bless, I pray. May your will be done. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you go through the scripture, you'll find that there are many days of uncertainty. There were many times in the lives of God's people, they did not know where they were going. They did not know how they would survive. They did not know what was going to happen. Those who were wise took those uncertainties and they anchored them to a promise of God that was certain and that promise of God carried them through the time of uncertainty. For example, they were in bondage in Egypt. That was an uncertain time. What helped them in those days? The promise that God would raise a deliverer. In their travel through the wilderness, there was no water, there was no bread, there was nothing for them to drink or eat. That was a time of uncertainty. What helped them through that time of uncertainty? The fact that they served a God who was able to prepare a table in the wilderness. Their faith carried them through uncertainty. When they went into the new land, the land of Canaan, the, man, the land that was flowing with milk and honey, the Bible described it as a land that had seven nations that were stronger and mightier than the children of Israel. How would they defeat those enemies? How would they survive that difficulty? How would they deal with the uncertainties of the day? They would do so by the promises of God that God said, I have prepared this land for you. I will fight for you. When we go to the New Testament era and Jesus fulfills the law, rather than going to the temple to offer a sacrifice, they go to a temple and they pray, realizing Jesus has become all of the sacrifices, the sacrifice for sin, the sacrifice for joy, the sacrifice for living, and all of that. And it was fulfilled in the person of Christ. Boy, there was a time of uncertainty. Some felt like they needed to go back to the Old Testament law. But what brought them through that time of uncertainty was the certainty are the certain promises of God. No matter what the uncertainty was, they dealt with those by claiming the promises, the certain promises of God. Now today we deal with many uncertainties in our life. I'll come back and name some of those in just a few minutes. But right now I want you to see Psalm number 46 where the Bible tells us many certainties that we can take our fears, our concerns, the uncertainty of life, and live through the confusing time, the uncertain time, by claiming the promises of God. Notice the Bible says, God is our refuge. That's a place to go in the time of storm. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in 
trouble. Do you see the certainty of God being our refuge? Do you see the certainty of God being our strength? Do you see the certainty of God being a help in the uncertainty of trouble? Verse number two, therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. He says here, God is our refuge. In verse number 10, he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And we have the word Selah, which means, now think of that. On Wednesday evening and again on yesterday evening in the television broadcast, I preached from Psalm number 46. And I told the story how the dreaded Assyrian army had come marching out of the north and they had left a path of destruction and death behind them. They had made their way through Syria and Jerusalem and were on their way to Judah. Behind them was destruction. Before them were the people of God. And one man, Hezekiah, said, God... You are our refuge in this uncertain time. Rather than give in to those uncertainties, rather than live by fear, rather than faith, I'm going to place my faith in you. And God, I ask that you would protect Judah from the coming Assyrian army. What a miraculous story that it is. Imagine as their city was surrounded in the evening, as the night began to fall by the great Assyrian army. It did not matter which window or which that they looked out of or which direction that the watchman would look toward. All they would see is a host of Assyrian soldiers that were ready at sunup to take the city, the last city, the city of God. There had been a request, there had been an idea, there had been a suggestion for compromise that they would accept money in exchange for peace. And the leader of Assyria, Sennacherib, said to Hezekiah, if you'll just open the gates of the city, we'll come in and we'll make you slaves, but we will take care of you and we'll not kill you. Isaiah the prophet said to Hezekiah, don't compromise with them. Don't accept their plea. You go to God and ask God to deliver you. So Hezekiah went to God in prayer. He fell on his face before God, surrounded by uncertainty. It seemed that death would come at sunup. But Hezekiah, with faith in God, said, Oh God, would you deliver us? Would you protect us? Would you work on our behalf? God, you are our refuge. God, you are our strength. God, you are our help in trouble. The Bible tells us that a miraculous event took place. During that night, one angel was sent from the God of heaven. And in that night, that one angel killed 185,000 
of the soldiers in the Assyrian army. I'm not exactly sure how everything transpired, but as they were expecting an attack at sunup, the tents and the encampments around them were not manned by soldiers, but were filled with the dead corpse of 185,000 dead corpse because of the work of that angel. The rest of the army, they fled in fear. God delivered them. Now here's what Hezekiah did. He took the uncertainty of fear. He took the uncertainty of the oncoming Assyrian army and he took that to the one thing in his life that he knew was for sure, that he knew he could count on. It was not the economy. It was not anything around him. It was not a friendship, a relationship, but it was the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. It was the God that hears and answers the prayers of his people and he took his uncertainty to his certain God and God heard his prayer. If you look at that chapter you'll find three things that are certainties in a time of uncertainty. In verses 1 through 3 you'll find that God is our refuge. In verses 4 through 7 you'll find that he is a a river. He is a stream whereof shall make glad the city of God. And I'll not re-preach what I preached on Wednesday night, but verses 8 through 7 you find that he is our ruler. I say to you this morning as we are surrounded by the uncertainties of life at every age and every, uh, and every stage of life, whether it would be a decision that you face, whether it would be a direction that you're going, whether it would be a disappointment that you face, whether it would be a delay in life that we're facing like never before, whether it would be a detour in your life or whether it would be death, whatever the case may be, we're surrounded by uncertainties. My message to you today is to take all of those fears, all of those worries, all of those concerns and take them to a certain God that's in heaven. Every uncertainty, place it on a promise of God and hold on to God as an anchor in the time of storm. Hold on to God as our life preserver in a time of storm. Hold on to God in faith in the time of difficulty. And I promise you that the certainties of God will carry us through the uncertainties of life. This morning, I want to give you several promises. I want to give you several certainties that you and I face in life. Now, I've talked to many people this week. I've spent much time on the telephone. In fact, I had, I believe, 11 meetings yesterday. Uh, only two of them were in person. The other nine uh, was by way of telephone. I did premarital counseling. I had both to call in. And uh, I did a, uh, a conference call in premarital counseling. I counsel with young men that are graduating from college and preparing to go into ministry. I talked to one young man about a city or a town. And we talked about several uh, cities and towns in our nation that needs a church. And I mean, it was important. We were talking about a young man giving his life for God. Which town would he do that in? And there was many questions. There were many uh, questions that had within them uh, uncertainty. But preacher, I don't know about this. I don't know about that. 
Uh, we live in a, a nation that basically today is on lockdown. We, we're shut down. The cities that were once busy are quiet. City streets that haven't been quiet since the day the pavement was laid are in total quietness today. It's unlike we've seen in any generation. Quarantined in our own homes, businesses closed, sports silenced, churches and schools closed. And in that, there's much uncertainty. College students wondering about your future. Church staff wondering, what is God doing? What is God going to do in my life, in our church, and in our country? I've prayed for widow ladies in our church and widowers, folks that are alone, folks that look forward in a big way to the fellowship of God's people in their Sunday school class and in church. I thought of our missionaries as I counseled with some of them yesterday or on deputation and all of their meetings are canceled. I prayed for our evangelists that are used to traveling week in and week out and their suitcase sits there idle and empty. Everything is uncertain today. Preacher, how do I deal with this? What's going to happen to my business? I talked to several men that run businesses this week. One man said this week I did less than 10% of what I typically do in a week. One man told me, he said, I did about a half a day's business all week this week. Mortgages are coming. Bills are coming due. By the way, you be careful not to transfer your faith from God to government. Can I tell you something? If God decides to shut down this government and every government of the world, we're going to find out He is the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. Don't you ever transfer your faith from God to government. Every time Paul had a need met by a church, he would always say it like this, God, I thank you for providing for me through these people. God is the provider. Now, with all those uncertainties, what do we do? We look at those uncertainties through the certainties of life. Let me give you some of those today. I'm glad to announce this morning God is still on his throne. Just think about it. God is still on his throne. Now this is a promise and this is the truth that we find throughout the scripture. I mean we find reminders of God being on his throne. Now there have been many times that Christians have gone through punishment. Christians have gone through famine. Christians have gone through the trying of their faith. Think of Abraham that waited so long for a child. God gave him a son and as the son got a bit older as a child, God asked him, I want you to give that son to me as a sacrifice, as a burnt offering to me. Abraham took his son Isaac. He built the altar. He put Isaac on that altar. He took his knife in hand and he raised that knife to the air to plunge into his son and take his life. God stopped him there and we learned that God did not want Abraham's son he wanted to know if he still had Abraham. And can I tell you, in all of these times, one of the certainties that we're reminded of is, don't forget, God's still on his throne. 
There may be somebody by the name of Nero on an earthly throne. There may be, may be somebody by the name of Pharaoh on an earthly throne. But I remind you, they've all come and they've all gone. But God is still on his throne. Now, it's one thing for me to tell you that. It's another thing for you to hear it from God. And so I called your attention to 1 Kings twenty-two nineteen. The Bible says, And he said, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven, hey, standing by him on his right hand and on his left. I knew I was going to read that and I'm still getting so excited I can't hardly stand it to realize that God is in heaven and the host of heaven are still around him. The cherubim still go through the air crying holy, holy, holy. Uh, those that are in heaven, they rejoice in the fact that God is on his throne and one day you and I, we're going to enter into that place called heaven and we're going to uh, camp around the throne eternal and we're going to lift our voices in song and praise but I want to remind you uh, you may be uh, uh, you may be uh, uh, distracted from that fact this morning looking at the uncertainties of life could I get you today to take your eye off of the uncertainty and look toward heaven and if God would roll back at the clouds and we could see into heaven we would see his throne there and we would see see him seated on that throne the Bible tells us in the day that Uzziah died God opened the heavens and here's what the Bible said in Isaiah 6 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The psalmist declared in that beautiful psalm of number 11 and verse number 4, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. God is looking down from his throne in heaven today as he did the day when the world was filled with corruption and sin and evil and it repented him that he'd even made man but there he saw Noah and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord as God looks down at your house today does God see a family that has faith in him does God see a family who's given their attention to him who has placed their hope on him I don't know what's going to happen with all the uncertainties around me but I know this when the uncertainty has come and when the uncertainty is gone my God is still on the throne. I want to say second of all, God is working in our lives. Now it's easy for us to look at others and see what others maybe should be doing or what God may be doing in their life. One of the things I've said repeatedly in the last few days, I don't know what all God is doing in our state and in our nation and in our world, but I'm very interested to know what God is doing in my life. I love this verse of Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus has not yet come. He's coming again. And until that day that he comes, or that day I go home to glory, he'll be working in me. As we sing in that Sunday school song, he's still working on me to make 
make me what I ought to be. Took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun, the earth, Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be because he's still working on me. I'm glad God's working in my life and God is working in your life today. I know we don't understand and sometimes it hurts and sometimes we have worries and we wonder, oh, how are we going to make it through this difficult time? I can't answer the uncertainties, but I can tell you what to do. We have a God that loves us and He is working in our life. I think we come to the end the quicker we recognize what God is doing. I think we come to the end of the trial the quicker we say, God, I yield I surrender all. You do whatever you want to do in my life. You're working in me. I want you to continue to work. I want you to have your will and your way. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I say unto you, Therefore uh, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, uh, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I know God's working in me. Sometimes God has to do drastic things to get our attention. We get so busy in life. And I'll tell you, my life is a, is a busy life and things have changed drastically all of a sudden. For 20 years I've been doing the same thing day in and day out, week in and month in and month out. And all of a sudden I've had time to stop and think, God, am I doing what you want to do? What you, what you want me to do? God, I want to finish my life doing your will. I don't want to be sidetracked. I don't want to get busy in doing what I want to do. I want to get busy in doing and stay busy in doing what you want to do in my life. So first of all, we have the certainty that God is still on His throne. Second of all, we have the certainty that God is working in our lives. And third of all, I've said it before, I want to remind you, He is God, He's the only God. He's a certain God. I could take you to the book of Ezekiel in verse after verse after verse. He said that you may know that I am God. That you may know that I am God. Sometimes punishment reveals that you may know that I am God. Sometimes blessings reveal that you may know that I am God. Sometimes correction has to reveal that you may know that I am God. Sometimes it takes death to reveal that you may know that I am God. But I want to say this morning, He is God. He is the only God, and I'm thankful for that certainty, that anchor in my life. I'm going to say number four, he loves me, and he loves you. He loves me, and he loves you. You know what that means? That means God would not do nor allow anything in my life that was not for my good and his glory. Don't question the love of God. God gave His Son that we could have eternal life. That alone should cause us to be convinced that God does love us. He delivered me from my sin and the payment of my sin. He paid the punishment of my sin for me. I should never question if God loves me. Sometimes... You have to make your children do their homework. They don't enjoy doing it, but you know it's good for them. Sometimes you make your children eat things they don't want to eat or don't enjoy eating, but we say you have to eat your vegetables. Sometimes God has to do things in our life 
that we don't enjoy, but they're for our good. And we can rest assured, we can be certain of the fact, God loves you. Did you hear me today? God does love you. You say, but preacher, I feel all alone. God loves you. A young man said to me yesterday, a fine young man, he said, preacher, sometimes my faith is not strong. And I feel like I, I, I've lost faith and I, I'm such a failure. Can I tell you something? Your relationship with God is not dependent on your feelings that are up and down. It's dependent on God's love and the fact that God received you as a son. He received you. He made you his own child. God loves you this morning. You see, all those fears that we have, they come from the uncertainties of life. In fact, most of your fears, don't miss what I'm about to tell you, you borrowed them from tomorrow. Truth is, right now you're doing well. You've had food to eat today. You had a good place to sleep last night. You're surrounded by blessings. In fact, we've lost or misplaced so many things that God's blessed us with. God's been so good to us. In fact, He's been so good to us, we had to go to tomorrow so we could worry about something that hasn't happened and bring it into today. God loves you. God's going to take care of our tomorrow. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Rest assured in God's love today. Then I want to give you this certainty. God is not only the creator, God is the sustainer of this world. Colossians 1.17 There are folks, and I've heard reports this week saying, all this is a result of climate change and climate change is a result of bad behavior or uh, too much population and all of that. Can I tell you something? You know where population comes from? God's a giver of life. And God's in control. And you need not live your life in worry and fear. Oh, I'm afraid it's going to fall apart. Folks, God has been holding it together for a long time before you and I got here. And God will hold it together until He changes the chemical makeup in the air and the elements begin to burn with a fervent heat. And until that day, I want you to know God is a sustainer. I'm talking about the God that is my heavenly Father. I'm talking about the God that is my Savior. I'm talking about the God that loves me. He is in control. Then I want to give you this certainty. Heaven is my home. Now think about this. Death concerns all of us. There's an uncertainty about death. How long will I live? How will I die? We have all of these uncertainties in life. You know how to deal with that uncertainty about death? Place it on the certainty of eternal life. Yes, this body's going to die. But when it does, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see how that takes our fear away? To realize that when this life ends, it is not the end of life. It is a departure from temporal life to eternal life. It is a changing from this old body that's mortal and this old body that's vile and this old body that has a fallen nature. I'm going to go into the presence of an almighty God and I'm going to have a body that is like His. It will never fail again. It will never fear again and I'll rejoice in heaven for all eternity 
We, we today are captivated by fear. What is that fear? That fear of, is of death and dying. And I'm not saying today I'm rushing death. I'm just saying I have an appointment with death. And the thing that takes the fear out of death is to realize it is not the end, but it is a departure. And I take that uncertainty and I place it on the certainty of the Scripture. And I rest in faith in Him. Last of all, I say this morning, the Bible is the Word of God. Now that may seem a small statement. You understand that this book right here, there have been many through the ages that have attempted to destroy this book. There have been those through the ages that have attempted to get rid of the Bible. Now first of all, they can't because this is just a copy of the eternal Word that's forever settled in heaven. They may get rid of the pages and the words of this book, but they'll never get rid of the Word of God that's forever settled in heaven. And may I say this morning, I can take every worry, every fear, every concern, every uncertainty, and I can place it on the certainty of God's promises. And I can say, my faith has found a resting place. I trust His Word. I trust the Word of God. Though men have cursed it, though men have mocked it, though men have said it's filled with mistakes and it's not true, I can build my life. I can rest my life on the Word of God. So how do I deal with the uncertainties of life? I deal with them by placing an uncertainty on the certain promises of God. I would ask you to bow your head just for a moment, and I know you're in your home, but let's bow our heads this morning and let's think just for a moment together. How do I deal with the new news stories that will come on today? How do I deal with the story of unemployment, bankruptcy, all of those? How do I do that? Day by day, I place them on the certainties of the promises of God. If you're watching me now and you've never trusted Christ as Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior right here and right now. I would invite you to simply pray this prayer and say, Dear Jesus, I realize I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. I accept you as my personal Savior. The Bible says according to His Word that He'll give to us. He'll give to you eternal life. As she plays on the invitation song this morning, God has spoken to your heart this morning to take the uncertainties of life and rein them in. Bring them in, whatever the uncertainty is, and place it on a promise of God. Place it on the person of God. Place it on the power of an almighty and a sovereign God. Realize, I am in God's hand. The only way I can calm the fear of uncertainty is place my faith in the promises of certainty in the Scripture. I challenge you to do that. I'm reminded of a story of a young missionary couple that was on a ship sailing to a country across the waters. And that old ship filled with people headed in so many different directions of life this young couple had given their life to serve as missionaries 
on a foreign field. As they sailed, a terrible storm came on the horizon. The deck hands began to work to secure the ship and to tell the people to find a place of safety. As the storm would approach and they would head toward the storm, the missionary's young wife said to her husband, I'm so afraid. Maybe we should not have been on this ship. Maybe we shouldn't have decided to go to this country to give our life as missionaries. The young husband wisely used as an illustration as he pulled from a pouch a sharp knife and he said to his wife, Honey, are you afraid of this knife? She said, Well, no, I'm not afraid of this knife, of that knife. He said, Well, you know, this knife can be dangerous. This knife is sharp. This knife could take your life. He said, Why are you not afraid of this knife? She said, Because I'm not afraid of you and the knife's in your hand. You love me. You wouldn't hurt me with that knife. And he said to his young bride, and the storm that you see approaching on the horizon is in God's hands. And I'm not afraid of the storm because I know the one that holds the storm in his hand loves me. And dear folks, as we look around us today and we hear report after report, this theory, this thought, this idea fills our minds with uncertainty and fear and wonder. Preacher, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to place our uncertainties and our fears by faith in the Word of God and on the Word of God. He's still on His throne. He loves us. He cares about us. He's a creator. He's a sustainer. He's the only God. The Bible is the Word of God. We're going to place our faith right there. It will not take away the certainty. A refuge doesn't take away a storm. It just protects us until the storm passes by. Thank you so much for watching today. And I trust that the message has been not only an encouragement, but it has been instruction that we will follow from the Word of God, placing our faith on the certainties of His promises.